Okay, good evening. We are here. Uh, this year in the Parashat Vayakel Pekude, the last two Parashiyot in the Book of Shemot, is Lilui Nishmat, in honor of the departed soul of Fromit, Bad Gershon Aleh Lashon Lishalom. We're doing this... Um, Sheer it in a new format instead of live. We're doing it on Facebook Live, which is uh, sort of a life. I'm not. Uh, I'm not uh, sure. I always understand, but we're doing it on Facebook Live. So those of you who are connected to the Sheer through Facebook, you have to get the sheet on your own. I can't get the sheet to you. It's impossible, especially since I am in jail here in my house, trying to avoid uh, coming into conflict with an unseen enemy, although they've convinced me that it's real. Uh, nevertheless, nevertheless, I, all I can do is stay here in the uh, in the basement of my house, where I hope the uh, enemy will not decide to enter. A, a reviewing, let's review. There are five parashiyot at the end of the book of Shemot that have to do with Mishkan, that have to do with the building of the, in English it's called the tabernacle. Uh, but we mean a kind of a central religious uh, place, the Mishkan. Five parshiot, Truma and Titzaveh, build the Mishkan, make the vessels. That's Truma and Titzaveh, parshiot one and two. Parshiot, parshat three is about uh, Kitisa is largely about building the Egel Hazahab, the golden calf, and its implications. And then again, Vayakel Pekude. Vayakel Pekude is again a, a restatement of the of the uh, uh, command to build a Mishkan, to build a Mishkan. Now all this. Uh, time and space and psukim that are devoted to building the Mishkan, <coughs> well, there must be a reason for all of that. There must be a purpose for all of these psukim and all this information and all this repetition. Remember, it spans five parshiyot, five trumat, five parshiyot, an unlikely situation at best. It's hard to know what the relationship between Truma and Tetzave on the one hand and Vayakel Pekude on the other hand is. Nevertheless, there must be some relationship because uh, they bracket the the golden calf, the story of the of the golden calf. So let's look at some psukim. If you have a sheet, we're in Perik Lamed Gimel, starting from Pasuk Aleph. If you don't have a sheet, but you do have a Chumash, 
which is a remarkable uh, situation. If you have a Chumash, take your Chumash and look at Lamed Gimel, Pasuk Aleph. By the Be'er Shevel Moshe, this takes place after uh, the discussion between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Moshe Rabbeinu about the punishment that Bnei Yisrael would suffer because they built the golden calf. <coughs> now the, the result of that conversation is that somehow Bnei Yisrael are going to be uh, excused but not really. They're going to sur- suffer the burden of the sin of the Egel Azahav. This is the last pasuk in Perak Lamed Bet, right? Last pasuk came in Perak Lamed Bet that they will be yom pakadati. When B'nai Yisrael deserve to be punished, they will also be punished, this is Rashi's understanding, they will also be punished for the Chaita Egel, for the sin of the golden calf. So it comes, it stays with them, it's always with And even though they're not destroyed on the spot in the desert, they nevertheless, they nevertheless are going to be punished throughout history for what they have done. I mean, you know, uh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure how you feel about it. But the fact that we are not able to daven in the minion, that we're not able to go uh, to go to shul, we're not able to do certain mitzvot, which we're sort of used to, we don't even think about it too much, is a kind of a punishment. Go up from here, you and the people that you brought up from Mitzrayim, so God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, let's go back, let's keep going, let's do what we're supposed to be doing. Let's go on to Eretz Kinaan. That's the Pasuk. So this is the part of the punishment. The Pasuk says, Who is going to lead you? Who's going to bring you to Eretz Canaan? Well, it's going to be a Malach. Malach, of course, means not HaKadosh Baruch Not led by God, but led by an emissary of God. Now, it may not make a difference in terms of the final destination but it certainly makes a difference in terms of the path, in terms of the way that you're going, in terms of the way that you lead yourself, in terms of the way you respond to whatever is going on, (coughs) to whatever is going on. So that's Pasuk Bet, Pasuk Gimel, El Eretz Avat Chalavudvash, Kilo La'ale Bekir Becha, Kilo A'ale Bekir Becha, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe Rabbeinu, I will not go up in your midst. I will not go up in your midst. Lo Rashi, ki lo Therefore I am saying to you now, Pasuk Bet, v'shelachti lefanecha malach. 
I will send an angel to lead you. So the person who leads you makes all the difference. It makes all the difference as long as Moshe Rabbeinu is leading B'nai Yisrael, that's Yitziat Mitzrayim V'Knisal Eretz Yisrael level A. But now there's going to be only level B and only B'nai Yisrael understand that that's a punishment. You know, you go from A to B and you end up in exactly the same place, but you weren't traveling. You weren't traveling business. If you're not traveling business, you know that there's a difference. And when you get to wherever you're going, right, you have to kind of say, gee, it was okay, but it wasn't business. It wasn't business. So, Pasuk uh, Dalit, Edyo, Rashi says, is a word that means a crown. And when the Jews said Naseb and Ishma, they were crowned with these two crowns of Naseb and Ishma. So that there was this physical, sort of physical or spiritual uh, uh, crown that the Jews were wearing, which they now had to remove from themselves because of the Chet Egel, because of the sin of the golden calf. That's what the, that's what the Pesach says. I don't know. Pasuk Vav Vayit Natslu B'nei Yisrael Et Edyam Mehar Chorei Vayit Natslu. Rashi says Et Edyam Mehar Chorei Vet Adi Shayabiyadam Mehar Chorei. This this jewelry that they had on them from the from the mountain of Chorei where they received the Torah. When they received the Torah, Pasuk Zayin Moshe Yikacheta Ohel. Oh, this is the Pasuk that kind of ties things together. Now, here's B'nai Yisrael. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to B'nai Yisrael, you know, you guys are in trouble. And that's not what it was originally designed to be. Business is canceled. You have to go economy. An angel will bring you to Eretz Canaan, and that'll be a constant reminder that what you did was unacceptable, and that you still have to pay the price. You still have to pay the price. <coughs> and so, after that, after that uh, uh, statement that Hakadosh Baruch Hu makes, the pasuk says this, Moshe Umoshe Yikachet HaOhel Moshe took a tent Venatalo Michutz LaMachaneh and he set it up, he opened the tent, he set up the tent, he knocked in the pegs Michutz LaMachaneh Archeik MiLaMachaneh far away from the camp far away from the camp Karalo Oel Moed. Karalo Oel Moed. What is this? What is this? 
Okay. Rashi says, This is what Moshe Rabbeinu was doing. Rashi, put a posuk. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Pasuk Zayin. Moshe yikach the oil v'natalo mishchutz la'machaner chet min ha'machaner v'karalo oil mo'ed oil mo'ed. That's what the Mishkan is called. Vayakol mevakesh Hashem. Whoever looks for some connection to a kodesh b'chol yitzayel oil mo'ed Hashem mishchutz la'machaner. I mean, what is this? This is in the parish of Kitisa, after the Chet Egel. Moshe Rabbeinu tries to recover and set up an ohel. He wants to set up an ohel someplace so that people can come and participate, even though there's there's been no Mishkan. <coughs> because the original command to make a Mishkan must be in jeopardy somehow. And it's not until Vayakel Pekude, it's not until Vayakel Pekude that the Mishkan is reestablished. But in between those two times, right, the Truma from Vav Sivon until Shivaso Betamos, <clears throat> they built the golden calf and having built the golden calf apparently the expectation that there would still be a bait a mishkan in the desert had gone down tremendously had gone down tremendously well, they, they didn't expect it I mean why would they expect it why would they expect And so Moshe Rabbeinu said, I'll build it. I'll build something. I'll build an oil mo'ed. I'll build a place where the Pesach says, Vayaketzeit Moshe la'oel aslicha. Pasuk zayin. Moshe yikachet ha'oel. V'natalo mechutz la'machane. Rechek min ha'machane. V'karalo oil mo'ed. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, okay. Here it is. Here's the Mishkan. I'm building it for you, B'nai Yisrael. Anyone who sought the presence of God, and it became an event. Moshe Rabbeinu was the Kohen Gadol. He went into the oil moed. Everybody stood around and was 
happy to see that Moshe Rabbeinu was doing that. It was a sign. It was a sign that the relationship that was desired between Bnei Yisrael and Hakadosh Baruch Hu, which had been curtailed, that relationship had been curtailed or, or, or truncated. That relationship, Bnei Yisrael were no longer going to be led by Hakadosh Baruch Hu into Eretz Yisrael, and that was the punishment that they had to bear. Besides the other punishment that we mentioned. Beyond Pakdi or Pakadati, but Akadish Bakhu will punish Bene Yisrael for the Khaita Ego forever. Forever. So now we're up to Pasuk Tet where Yaqabo Moshe Oela. Yereda Muda Ananva Mat Petaka Ovidibera Moshe. So in fact it happened. This Mishkan took place. It took place in the desert before the Mishkan was built. This was a kind of a poor man's Mishkan built by Moshe Rabbeinu. It didn't have all of the vessels and all of the curtains and all of the uh, the posts and pillars. Did, didn't have all of that and all the beauty and all of the... But when Moshe Rabbeinu came to the Oel, the pillar of Vikaralo El Moed, that's the first thing, Pasuk Zayin, Pasuk Chet. All the people stood up and stood in front of the opening of the tent. They watched Moshe Rabbeinu until he got to the Oel. When Moshe Rabbeinu came to this, to the tent, it was exactly what you'd expect from a Mishkan, from the Oel Moed with the Bear and Moshe. In other words, what was ultimately going to be, the Mishkan that was going to be built would have at its center an Oel Moed. And that Oel Moed would be the place that Moshe Rabbeinu would have conversations with HaKadosh Baruch Specifically, the conversations were the Torah. The Torah was given to Moshe Rabbeinu in the desert. I mean, maybe not the mitzvot, maybe Moshe Rabbeinu knew about the mitzvot, but the, the nusach, the formulation of the psukim and the parashiot that were part of the Torah that was written down by Moshe Rabbeinu in the desert and passed on to the 12 tribes at the end of the 38 years sojourn in the, in the desert. All of that, all of that took place in the Oel Moed. And this is an Oel Moed. We don't know what it was that Moshe Rabbeinu spoke to HaKadosh Baruch about, but we know that it was 
and the oil for eight. The last pasuk that we're interested in, pasuk Yud Aleph, in the Be'er Hashem of Moshe, Panim El Panim, Hashem spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu face to face. Just as a person speaks with his fellow, and then he went back to the machane, to reality. To reality. That's reality. That's, that's really it. Right? So what was it? <coughs> what was it that Moshe Rabbeinu thought he was doing? What was going on here with this Oel Moed? It's a it's a parsha of of contrasts. It's a it's a difficult parsha because on the one hand, the Kaddish Baruch Hu informs Bnei Yisrael that the sin of we call Chaita Egel, the sin of the golden calf, will remain. Even though they're not being punished, they're not being punished now fully, they're going to be allowed to go to Eretz Yisrael. Nevertheless, the burden of the sin of the of the golden calf remains. And Moshe Rabbeinu's response to that is putting up an oil. Setting up an oil where the conversation with HaKadosh Baruch Hu can continue, at least the conversation between Moshe Rabbeinu and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And they all came around, all the people. All the people came around and they, they wanted to, they wanted to be part of it. They wanted to watch it. They wanted to see what was going on. That was their, that was their thing. That was what they wanted. That was what they wanted. <clears throat> so if we think to ourselves, I mean, in order to discover the secret to the mystery of the Oomo Eid, I mean, the mystery of the tent that Moshe Rabbeinu built when he was in the Machane, in the camp, after the Chait, after the Chait HaEgel, we have to kind of think to ourselves about the general features, the general features of, uh, of the Mishkan. In order to do that, I, I just bring two sources. The first is the Ramban at the beginning of Trumo, the well-known, famous Ramban. And the second is uh, chapter 34, chapter 34 in the, in the Tanya. Of the Tanya, basic, uh, considered to be a fundamental, considered Hasidic work. I'm not quoting it for that reason. I'm quoting it because of an insight that he has about, about the Mishkan. Let's look at the Ramban first. The Ramban said, Vesoda Mishkan, who, that's how he introduces what he's about to say. There's a secret, Soda Mishkan. And you don't have to be a, a, a Kabbalist 
to know that what the Ramban is trying to say is that we have an obligation, an obligation to understand what the Mishkan is really about, even though you know that at the time of the Ramban in the 12th century, there was no Mishkan. And there had been a Beit HaMikdash for over a thousand years. And it didn't look as though there would be a Beit HaMikdash for another thousand years. I mean, at least we've passed that thousand year mark, almost, almost that. <clears throat> so what was it that so much effort and enterprise and psukim, as we said in the beginning, what was it that so many psukim were telling us? I mean, if we don't really need it, I mean, you know, it's always that question we have when we think about it on Tisha We think about it. It's okay. It's okay to think about things. I mean, if we can get along without the Beta Mikdash, if we can act act out our devotions to our Kodesh Baruch, if we can daven three times a day. And if Chazal tell us that this is in place of that, and the other thing is in place of the other thing, and somehow somehow we're able to navigate our religious realities, <coughs> we're able to navigate ourselves and our religious obligations, even though there is no Beit HaMikdash, even though we can't bring the Korban Tamid. Okay, we hope to bring it, but right now we're not bringing it. I mean, I always say, I always ask, like, why did HaKadosh Baruch punish us in this way? After all, the Beit HaMikdash, the, 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 the Korbanot, the Tfilot, are the source of, of repentance. They're the path to receiving you know compensation from heaven so what is it that he says so the mishkanu sheyakavod shachen al har sinai shachen alav benistar that somehow there's a relationship between the event of Har Sinai, which was an event that represented special closeness to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Shochein Alav that somehow the Mishkan is an imitation. It's just like, it's just like, and you know, I think uh, we all know that Rabbi Rebbechaya points out that we don't have a holiday in the Torah uh, that takes us to Har Sinai. We don't go to Har Sinai because Har Sinai comes with us wherever we go. Hein her 
Kain Katu Bamishkan. So you see there's a certain similarity the way the Torah reflects upon Har Sinai and the Mishkan. The quote Hashem Alayta Mishkan. And it says twice in terms of the Mishkan that quote Hashem, or whatever that is, Malayat Mishkan, Keneged et Kvodo vet Gadlo, Vayaba Mishkan Tamid im Yisrael Kavod, Shenir Elahem Bahar Sinai. So the Ramban, the Ramban, offers us an insight. And he says, what's the Mishkan? What is the Mishkan? He says, the Mishkan is Har Sinai. It's Har Sinai, except that it's portable Har Sinai. You can take it with you, but it produces this notion that quote Hashem, that the <coughs> glory of God rests upon Har Sinai. The glory of God rests upon Har Sinai. Okay. It doesn't help me understand why I can live without it, but it does help me understand why it was so important in the context of the story of Matan Torah that the story of Matan Torah, the story of Matan Torah is the story of Har Sinai, Kvot Hashem, a special kind of relationship at the moment between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and B'nai Yisrael. All of that is, is true and that will ultimately be transferred to the Beit HaMikdash, ultimately. The Beit HaMikdash is going to be built by Shlomo HaMelech in the order of things, in the order of things that are mentioned in the Torah. So Shlomo HaMelech looked in the Torah and said, oh, we've got to make a shulchan, we've got to make a menorah, we've got to make a katoris, we've got to make all these things. And here is the way to do it. So that even though there was a hiatus when they came in between the time they came into Eretz Kena'an and the time that the Beit HaMikdash was completed by Shlomo HaMelech, 440 years. Nevertheless, there was an Aron Kodesh. There was some semblance of things that maintained us during that period of time. The time from the Yoshua Binun entering the land until Shlomo Amelech built the Beit Hamikdash, <coughs> but still, it doesn't help us to understand. I think that it doesn't help us to understand what was going on after after the Beit Hamikdash was destroyed. I mean, how could all these parshiot in the Torah not mean anything, not connect to anything? How is that possible? Okay, let's look at the Tanya. Let's look at the Tanya. The Tanya is uh, often a difficult work, but uh, accessible.
accessible. You see on the second page, the Tanya Paraglamid Dalit. Hine Mudad Zot Shavot Hain Hain Amerkava. That's what Chazal say. Vavot Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov. Arehem Amerkava. What's Amerkava? Amerkava is a. Uh, chariot. What? Chariot. Miriam says it's a chariot. Well, what's a chariot? What's a chariot? A chariot here, I mean, it's a place. It designates a place. Even though if I would say to you, where is God located in the world? So you might say what the Kabbalah says, that God is all over the world, that is all in the world. There's no real limit of a place. However, Chazal say, Chazal say, Ein hein They are the chariot. The chariot is in a place. It's not every place, but say a place. Shekol yemehem lo'olam lo hivsika afilu sha'a achat so what is he, what, what is the, how does he explain it? What does it mean to say? What does it mean to say, that they were always, the Avot, had a special connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that's like they 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 were uh, <coughs> there was nothing to them there was only God to see his oneness only all the time. Bachrehem and after the Avot, Kol Hanavim, Kol Echad Lufi Madregat Nishmato Vasagato. Right? That that after the Avot came the Nevi'im. Now the Nevi'im were not exactly on the level of the Avot, but they were on a special level. So according to their level, according to their level. Uh, and of course, in terms of Nevoah, Moshe Rabbeinu was the first, the highest. That it's, it's God speaking from Moshe Rabbeinu's throat. A kind of a similar level or a similar uh, kind of a status. Zachu Yisrael mimahamad har Sinai. B'nei Yisrael were on that level. Now what level is that? 
the level of Nevi'im, and before Nevi'im, the Avot, and the Avot were, the Avot were the, the Merkava, and Merkava is a place. It was this ability to create a place where HaKadosh Baruch Hu is to be found was something, <coughs> was something that the Avot had. Well, he says on the fourth line, they did it, B'nai Yisrael. They were like Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. They created a place. That every time God said a word, they all died. Shehu inyan bitul b'mitziuta now. They they denied themselves reality. Lechein miyad amar lahem lasot lo mishkan, and therefore Hakadosh Baruch Hu said to them immediately after matan Torah, make a mishkan, make a tabernacle. Uvo kodshei Hakadoshim lashraat shchinato. This level of achievement, of spiritual achievement that B'nai Yisrael had, they had to transfer it immediately. This is the Ramban, right? Remember the Ramban? Transfer it immediately to <coughs> to the Mishkan. And here he asks the question. So what happened? In other words, the place this idea that it's possible to create a place which is more welcoming to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that ability to create a place belongs to us, to Am Yisrael. That's what we call Halacha. Because what the Halacha does is distinguish between a regular and a Kadosh a regular one and a special one. So the halacha says that if I build a hut according to certain dimensions and with taking care about certain other things, what I end up with is a sukkah, but that sukkah is a makom. It's a place where HaKadosh Baruch Hu is possibly to be found. The same thing is true about an etrog, and the same thing is true about a matzah. The same thing is true about anything that is done halachically. So that's the Arba Amochel Halacha, the Gemara and Sukkah. So you see, you see that the the Balatanya, 800 years, not 800 years, 600 years after the, after the Ramban, 
Rabban said, look, we need that. We need the Mishkan. We need to have that experience of, of, of relating to God in a place. And even though God is every place, God is also someplace. And the someplace designated in the Torah is called the Mishkan. That's what it's called. It's called the Mishkan. The Balatanya comes and says, well, what happens when the Mishkan leaves us? What about this idea that there has to be a connection to a place? So the Balatanya says, well, well, or he says, doesn't say well, but he might say well. He might say, the Balatanya says, look, there's no Beit HaMikdash. But that doesn't mean that we haven't inherited the capacity to create a place for HaKadosh Baruch. And that capacity to create a place for HaKadosh Baruch exists, exists through the Halakha. I mean, that's what Halakha is. You take a regular one and you make it a special one. You take a regular place and you make it to a special place. And we have the ability to do that. We have the ability to do that. And that's why the Gemara is not embarrassed to call a Beit HaKneset a Mikdash Ma'at. What do you mean a Mikdash Ma'at? Where, where, where does that come from? Where is that? Because a Beit Knesset is a place that's designated and it follows certain regulations and rules. Of course, today that's a little bit difficult, but let's ignore today. <coughs> oh, hope for the best, so that the uh, the world, the world according to the Balatanya, includes the capacity to build the Beit Hamikdash. Of course, you don't build it with walls. We don't build it with. We don't build it with. Uh, uh, kalim vessels, but we build it with halacha. Every halachic building that we make is a mikdash ma'at. It's something special. It's a place where God is to be found. That's the Gemara. The Gemara says that. Where they get that idea from? What do you mean, ain't like Kodesh Baruch Hu? Dalar Amos Shel Alacha. This Dalar Amos Shel Alacha created space, and that space belongs to Kodesh Baruch Hu, just like the Mishkan created a space. So that when Moshe Rabbeinu was informed, when Moshe Rabbeinu was informed, that it's not going to be the same. It's not going to be the same. We're not going to. You're not going to be able. You're not going to be able to depend on HaKadosh Baruch leading you to Eretz Canaan. Your business seats are endangered. When Moshe Rabbeinu heard that, he said, I've got to do something. And so he did it on his own. He went and he built the Oel Moed, his own Oel Moed, an Oel Moed that he could build because he had the experience. And then he was open to the Jews. The Jews all saw that there was an Oel Moed in the world. 
And that perhaps gave them the success. They all came and they collected themselves to see what was going on. <coughs> gave them hope. It enabled them to think in terms of the future. That was the old Moed that Moshe Rabbeinu built. Of course, what HaKadosh Baruch said in the parashas of Ayakov Begudeh, go and build a Mishkan. Even after what, everything that's happened, build a Mishkan. Then Moshe Rabbeinu knew that his old Moed was not necessary. And it all transferred to the old Moed in the, in the Mishkan. So that the Ramban teaches us that the experience of Har Sinai had to be maintained through an actual structure. And the Balatanya teaches us that even after the structure was no longer possible and they couldn't, we couldn't keep the, the, the structure because of the Churban, because of the structure of the Beit HaMikdash, it was nevertheless possible to create a space which was designated as divine and to be with HaKadosh Baruch Hu in that divine space. And we call that Halacha. That's the point of the, of the Balatanya. Okay, thank you for coming. Uh, I'm going to try to do this again as long as we have to. Uh, maybe we'll get to like it. Never tell. It might be something, uh, something good that will happen from all of this. Okay. All the best to you. Be well.